Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us on more biblical applications of light. This message and previous messages are available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now, here's some highlights from this week's messages. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. We love darkness. That was our delight. The light shineth in darkness. That's what light does. It shines the best, the brightest in darkness. But what happened? The light won. The rulers of the darkness of this world, they're called. They tried to extinguish and they didn't. So there's our hope. Now here's Tom Cantor as we finish our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday messages from Genesis. Thank God for that. There's hope for us. The parallel, there's hope for us because Isaiah 9-2 says, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. And they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. God sent the light into the darkness. So often I'm asked, is everybody at Scanabodies a Christian? I just asked that just on Friday. And I said, well, no, oh, no. Well, I said, I don't know, maybe it was 10%. I said, why? Why do you have so many you know, lost people at Scanabodies who aren't Christians? And I said, well, because God sends the light into the darkness. There's got to be a place where lost people can come to work and find God. There's got to be a place. All right, now, who does he send the light to? Turn to Psalm 107, verse 9. Psalm 107, verse 9. Here are the people that he sends the light to. Notice their description. He satisfieth the long soul. He filleth the hungry soul with goodness, such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God and contemned the counsel of the Most High. So who did he send the light to? The longing soul, the hungry soul. You may be speaking to somebody who looks like he's so self-sufficient, he's got more money than Jack LaLanne. I mean, uh, well, he has money too, Bill Gates. And he's healthier than Jack LaLanne, okay? And you have no, and he, and he maybe said, just, oh, it's a very nice religion. Well, if it makes you happy, I'm so glad for you. Anyway, and you have no idea of that inside that person is a longing soul and a hungry soul. You don't know. You don't know. Because man has a tremendous capacity for God. We have a tremendous capacity for God. You know what that also means? We have a tremendous emptiness without God. We have a tremendous void without God. So how a person responds to God and to the gospel, to you, is no indication of what will happen, right? Who's the best example of that? Paul. Saul. Right? Even after he was saved, the, the, the disciple says, oh God, you don't understand. This man, let me give you a little history about this man. <laughs> and God had to say, go your way. He's a vessel chosen for me. So thank God he has a purpose for man not to walk in darkness. He doesn't want people in darkness. You know, in John eight twelve, it says clearly, then spake Jesus again unto them saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. He doesn't want us, anybody, to walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. What's the light of life? The light of life is, I have some dark situations in my life. 
You have some dark situations in your life, and God will come with a specific light for those situations. Specific lights, he says, he says they should have the light of life. Now, that's specific light for specific situations. In that same book, he starts off and says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. That's an overall light that we get. The Lord Jesus Christ, we know, is the light. He's the light. He said, I'm the light of the world. As I just mentioned, he was the life, the light that, that, that shineth in darkness. It was the light that lights every man that comes into the world. He is the light of men. Okay? And we are, in our BC days, in, in darkness and darkness itself. But God says, I want to change. I want to change in man. I want to change in you. I want you to be converted from being in darkness and being darkness to being light and in light. Light and in light. You see? Darkness and in darkness. Light and in light. All right? So now turn to Matthew 5, verse 14. Here he says, remember in Ephesians, say, you were darkness, okay? And now, in Matthew 5.14, he says, you are light. You are the light. You are the light of the world. You're not just in the light, but you are the light, right? Just like you weren't just uh, in the darkness, you were spreading darkness. Now you are not just in the light, but you are spreading light. A city that's hid on a hill can't be hid, so don't hide. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick it gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. See your good works. Glorify your Father which is in heaven. You see, someone turned us, each one of us, from light to darkness. Maybe you were young and it was your parent who turned you from, sorry, from darkness to light. Someone turned each one of us from darkness to light. Someone did that. And that's our calling. That's our calling to turn precious souls from darkness to light. Okay? Turn to, 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 to um, Acts 26. Turn to Acts 26. This is the purpose and the calling that God made so clear, and he spoke it to Paul. And he says, he's telling King Agrippa this. It's so marvelous how Paul speaks to everybody he sees. Kings, Christians, everybody. He says here, in, in, he's explained to King Agrippa, he says, he says, uh, he says, God has given me this role to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them that are sanctified by faith that is in me. See, isn't that a marvelous role? See, when we come to the lost, we come and bring them the Lord Jesus Christ. We bring them the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. We bring them the person of the Lord Jesus Christ from the spirit of Christ that is in us. And that is bringing them light. For what purpose? To open their eyes. To open their eyes. To take them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God. That's a calling for us. So when it says, as we started off this morning by saying, you're a chosen generation, for what? You're a chosen generation to open eyes. You're a chosen generation to take from darkness to light. So you're a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood to pray to God. 
for eyes to be opened. Pray to God for the conversion or transfer from darkness to light. A holy nation. You're not, you're not sinning and continuing in sin. You're staying holy to the Lord. A, a, a very unusual people. So my friend Ishiahu said about me last week. He said, I'll say one thing. He says, you sure have conviction. He says, you know, <laughs> it's better than having a conviction of being in prison. Anyway, but that makes it peculiar people. Peculiar people. That's good. God says, don't be like the world. Be a peculiar people among peculiar people. That's what he's saying to us. That's our calling so that we can show forth the praises of him. Who? Him. The rescuer. The praises of God the rescuer. The praises of God the light sender into darkness. The praiser of God the savior from sin and from death and from hell. So that's our calling Our calling is to bring others out of darkness. We're not called to walk in darkness. In 1 John 1, it's 5 and 7, it says, This is the message we have heard of him, declare it to you. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. We have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. We are not called to walk in darkness. We're called to walk in light, walk in light, and to be separate from the darkness. And we've seen that. God separated the darkness from the light. Specifically, it says in Genesis 1, that's the parallel, parable, parallel to God saying, I want to separate the darkness and the light in you. Because he says in 2 Corinthians, 4, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 17, it says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. What fellowship is righteous with, with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? No, 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 no communion. None at all. So God says, wherefore, in verse 17, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and don't touch the unclean thing. And I will receive you. That's something worth having. He separated it. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Those are all Verses about separation. Blessed is the man who separates himself from walking in the counsel of the ungodly, who separates himself from standing in the way of sin, who separates himself from sitting in the seat of the scornful. See what I mean? It's all separation, 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 just like he spoke about in Genesis uh, 1, where he separated the light from the darkness. But blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. See, he separated himself to the light from the darkness. So when God says, let there be light, then that means that, so this, this man, the Ishaya, who said to me, you know, I, I told him, so that's your personal darkness. And then I said, because you need the personal, individual command of God, Ishiyahu, let there be light. And that's what happened to each one of us. Individually, when we turned to God, God said, he commanded the light in each one of us. And that's what God wants to do. And that should be our prayer. The same God, the very same God, who made water come out of a rock. And you think that's likely? You have, you have to many billions of years before that'll happen. Who made bread come down from heaven every day for 40 years. Who made stones rain down from the sky to kill, kill his enemies. That same God 
with all those unlikely things, is able and willing and wanting to say to each individual sinner who will turn to him, let there be light, and he'll do it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being the God that you are. Help us to get in line with who you are. Help us to be in line with your program of seeking, coming to seek and to save that which is lost. Help us, Lord, to have confidence in the fact that you so love the world that you gave your only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Help us to be light and help us to be spreaders of that light today in Jesus' name. Amen. Tom, we've talked today about light in the past few days. So how does a person get started with getting the light on? Well, the first thing is to realize that it's God's will and he is light, that light should be inside of us. The Lord Jesus Christ referred to the light in us. He said, if the light be that is in you be darkness, how great is the darkness. That's a reference to light inside of us. He wants light to be in us. He wants to be in us as the light of the world. He enjoys to see us walking in the light. It grieves him to see us in darkness. It makes him sad to see us walking in darkness. So the first step is to realize it's God who wants light to be inside of us. And when we realize that, then the next question is, how do we put ourselves in the position so that God is comfortable or wants or feels and, and to put the light inside of us. And that's given to us in the psalm that we studied today, Psalm 107, verse 9, where it says, For he satisfieth the longing heart and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. So the answer to the question, how do we put ourselves in the position to receive the light of God? It's to have a longing soul. It's to have a hungry soul. It's to have the soul that reaches out to God and goes through, as we've mentioned before, those steps of not just the casual, I want God, and not even the statement of need of, I need God, but almost from the sense of the desperation of, I must have God. And when God sees that there is this longingness in the soul for him, when there is this hunger, as the Lord Jesus Christ described, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God doth man live. When he sees that man is in this, I'm so hungry for you, God, I long for you, then God says, all right, now I'll put the light inside. So it's really a case where we put ourselves in the position of casting down the weapons of our warfare, casting down all the pride and the all the I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, throwing that all down and saying, oh God, like a little child, I long for you. I long for you. I'm so hungry for you. Please put your light within me. And then God does it. And it is a beautiful thing when someone receives that light inside of them. But there might be a listener out there today that, you know, that light has come on, but they're afraid of losing that light. What would you tell him or her about keeping the light on? That's right. And so that's a very, very real concern because 
We have enemies that are against us that want to put the light out. And so we need a guidebook. We need an instruction manual. We need a how-to from God as to how to keep the light on. And thank God he's given us that instruction book. He's given us the guidebook. We have it perfectly. It's in 1 John 5. In 1 John 5, starting at verse 5, he tells us exactly. He says, first of all, this then is the message. Now, this is the message which has come from God, which is based on the Bible. So the first thing we have to do is to keep a daily respect for the Bible as the Word of God. We had daily appreciation to God for giving us his Bible, his word. Second, it says, which we have heard of him. That's the next step, is when we open the Bible to realize we are not just reading some cold words that were written by men thousands of years ago and so forth, but we are reading a message that we have heard from God. This is personal mail that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ directly to our hearts, and we open that. When you open the Bible, picture yourself taking a letter opener and cutting open the the envelope and, and, and unfolding it. That's what the Bible is. God has sent you a letter today. So we go down to the post office or we go down to our mailbox. And as we open that mailbox, that's us getting the Bible. And as we open the page of the Bible, that's like taking the letter opener and opening the letter. And that's the message that we have heard of him. And then he says, we declare it unto you. And then he says that God is light. So we realize we don't turn to the television for light. We don't go to the library to read books for light. We We don't go to some spiritual leader for light. God is light, and this word is his personal word to us, and he will bring light to our souls through this word. And it says that in him is no darkness at all. So we respect the fact that when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no sin in him. There's no there's no impurity in him. We are coming to the absolute pure light itself with no darkness. He says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So we say, oh God, make me sensitive to any darkness that there might be in my life. If there's any practice, if there's any thoughts that I'm entertaining, if there's any th- words that I am speaking, if there's any action that I am doing that represent darkness, that is walking in darkness. That has to go. So, O God, through your word as I read, shine the spotlight on your word, on those thoughts, those actions, and those words, so that I can label them for what they are, darkness, and deal with them. Stop that. And then in verse 7, he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. So to gather together with other Christians who are of like-mindedness. And when we have fellowship. It's very important that when we're with Christians, that's not a time for us to talk about what we saw on television. That's not a time for us to talk about the sports events and recreations and our vacations and things like that. Fellowship must be maintained among Christians. That's a time for us to talk about the Bible. That's a time for us to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. John Bunyan said it so well in his Pilgrim's Progress when he said, fellowship if it 
be managed well keeps us healthy, and that in spite of hell. We have to manage our fellowship well. We have to be focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. Fellowship one with another is the kind of thing that we should desire that helps to keep the light on inside of us, but our fellowship has to be talking about the things of God, the Bible, the Lord Jesus Christ, the things of God, and that will keep us also in the light. And then he says, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's having respect for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ cleansed us, and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ cleanses us. It goes on cleansing us from the daily defilements of life, from the darkness that we walk in, that we think about, that we have said. It's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that cleanses us from sin. A very valid prayer to God, and ones that should be on our lips daily is, O oh God, cleanse my heart. Cleanse my heart in your blood, precious Lord Jesus. That's what this is saying here. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses, goes on, cleansing us from all sin. Then it says in verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. So we must guard ourselves from saying, I have no sin. I have now really progressed in my Christian life. I do not sin anymore. I have risen to the level of perfection. If we take that position, you can be sure, just like that, the light is going to go off, and we are going to deceive ourselves if we say we have no sin, and the truth will not be in us. But then it says these marvelous words in verse 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you realize that when you come to a point where you confess your sin, that you have crossed over a particular line? When you confess your sin to God, you don't need a priest to confess your sin to. You don't need a confessional box. You just need time alone with God. When you come to him as your great high priest and you confess your sin, when you confess your sin, you're saying to to God, oh God, I'm a sinner. I sin. And that's a great healthy thing to do. And then to confess sin. Don't confess the consequences of sin because that's not confessing sin. Don't come to God. God and say, oh God, I confess to you I'm, I'm afraid. Oh God, I confess to you that I'm in depression. Oh God, I confess to you this consequence or that consequence. That's not the sin. The sin is, oh God, I lied. Oh God, I deceived the person. Oh God, I was angry. Oh, those are the oh gods I did it confessions of sin, which we have to nail exactly the way it is. Confession of sin is, oh God, she made me do it. That's not a confession of sin. A a confession, what is also not a confession of sin is, oh God, my parents were so bad to me that I had to do this. That's not a confession of sin. That's a a smoke screen. And God says, get rid of the smoke screens and just say simply what you did. Because when you confess 
what you did, the relief will come. And God says, I will forgive you. There's two things that we need from sin causes in us. First of us, it causes a, first of all, sin causes for us a need to be forgiven by God. But also, sin leaves its terrible marks within us, and we need to be cleansed inwardly. That's why it says if we confess our sins, that he's faithful and just first to forgive us so that our relationship can be restored between us and our Lord Jesus Christ. But second, we also need to be cleaned up from the dirtiness inside and the defilement. And that's why it says that he's faithful and just to not only forgive us our sins, but to cleanse us from all the unrighteousness that's within us. And that's what we so much need. And our great Savior, our wonderful Lord Jesus Christ, is the one who is the faithful one to forgive us and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. Thank you for joining us today. Join us again tomorrow as we resume our Thursday and Friday messages on the tabernacle. Now, do you have a Jewish friend that you'd like to reach with the gospel? Would you like to give them a gospel gift or have one sent to them anonymously? You can contact us directly by phone and we can help you to do that. Call us at 1-800-247-3051 and we can help you fulfill God's command to go to his lost nation of Jewish people first. Many of us know Jewish people, whether it's a lawyer, a doctor, a businessman, friend, neighbor, coworker, acquaintance, or maybe even a family member that's Jewish. So let us help you to reach them with the gospel. Call us today at 1-800-247-3051. We can send them a Tom Cantor testimony DVD of a Jewish man who received the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Savior and Messiah. So call us today at 1-800-247-3051. You can also call us and get a copy of today's broadcast on CD, or it's free and available for listening or download at our websites, friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org. Thanks for listening, and join us again tomorrow for our Thursday and Friday series this month on The Tabernacle.